As you are seated, look at at least one person and tell them, oh, it is good to see you on a Sunday morning. Praise God. This is a good day. Well, today we continue our series entitled, Putting Fear in Place. And if you would like to share with other friends this morning the uh, fact that we are available on via Facebook and also uh, via YouTube. You can share the Facebook link right now, and uh, that will invite more people to participate with us. We welcome those of you who are joining us via streaming. Let's go to the book of Genesis chapter 22, starting in verse 1, and we're going to read a little bit about Abraham. How many people know about Abraham? All right, here we go. We're going to talk about his life this morning. Sometime later, look at somebody say later on. All right, sometime later, God tested Abraham. I just want to tell you, oftentimes God will allow you in your life to be tested. God wants you to be stronger in 2019 than 2018. Let's go a little further. He said to him, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Then God said, take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain, I will show you. Early the next morning, Abraham got up and loaded his donkey. He took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. When he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place God had told him about. On the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the donkey, well, saw the place in the distance. He said to his servant, stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We will worship and then we will come back to you. Now that's a statement right there of faith. He believed that he and the boy would come back. Oh, we're going to get to that in a few moments. Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and placed it on his son Isaac, and he himself carried the fire and the knife. As the two of them went on together, Isaac spoke up and said to his father, or said, Abraham, Father, yes, my son, Abraham replied, the fire and the wood are here, Isaac said. But where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went on together. Now today, as we continue in our series of putting fear in its place, we're looking at the topic of conquering your fears. It is important for us to conquer and to defeat the fears that Satan would bring against us. I know that as a new year rolls around, sometimes it comes with new concerns and with new anxiety. Last week, we looked at a few truths that are very important to remember. First, we discovered you are more powerful than you think you are when it comes to controlling and destroying fear. How do we know that? Because what Jesus said, Jesus said, let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. If Jesus told you that you can control your fear, let me say this Sunday morning, you can control your fear. It's possible. The second thing that that we focused our attention on last week was this truth. We discovered in our lives that you must choose to stop fear. It is a choice. 
Often we don't believe that. We just say, I just feel afraid. I can't do anything about it. It's true that the emotion of fear may come on you and you can't choose that, but you can choose whether or not you're going to live in fear. And finally, last week, we looked at this truth. We said we need to use God's blueprint to be strong and courageous in the face of fear. And we talked quite a bit about the life of Joshua. And what did God say to Joshua time after time? He said, be strong and courageous. Be strong and very courageous. Be strong and courageous. I want to tell you, this Sunday morning, God is speaking to us, be strong and courageous. Come on, how many of you would say, that's a word for me today? I need to be strong and courageous. I have some health concerns. I have some financial concerns. I have some relationship concerns. I have some internal struggles that I'm battling with. I have to be strong. I have to be courageous. God will never tell you to do anything that you cannot do. He will empower you and strengthen you, and yet I want to let you in on a secret. You may have to grow a little bit stronger so that you can accomplish this, but God will help you grow. He will help you mature. He will help you become the person that he has designed for you to be. Now, I want you to ask yourself something this morning. Why do you fear something? Whatever it is. Whether you have a fear of heights or fear of spiders, fear of snakes, or maybe something that's a little less tangible as that. Maybe you have a, a fear of, of poverty or of loneliness or you're afraid of sickness. Maybe there's been a sickness that has plagued your family or a fear of desperation, of loss or a loss of a relationship. These are the things that we fear we try to avoid them. None of us wants something bad to happen in our life. Isn't that right? Do you go to great lengths to make sure that bad things don't happen to you? How many of you buckle your seatbelt every time you get into the car? I think not. I'm not going to get hurt today. All right. You, you prepare yourself. You do the things that you can to stay safe. Anybody lock their doors at night? Well, I hope everybody's raising their hand because somebody might be looking around and saying, oh, they don't lock their doors. No, come on. Lock your doors at night. Why do you lock your doors? Because somebody, oh, if you've had those ring doorbells, those video doorbells, they, some people come around and check doors at night, don't they? You lock your car? Why? Because you do everything you can to protect yourself. But it's usually the fear of the big thing that we dread that we do our best to avoid. Now, I want you to think with me about the life of Abraham for a few moments. For Abraham, the worst case scenario was for him to lose his son Isaac. Why? Because Isaac was the son of the promise. We might put it in today's language as a layman and say, Isaac was the golden boy. I've met people who had a golden boy, have you? This is our son, Junior. Junior is the best soccer player you will ever meet. I want you to tell you what. We had put Junior in T-ball, hit a home run, first time at bat. Have you noticed how straight his teeth are? Right. I mean, he's the golden boy. He gets the favors, he's blessed, he's favored, and he's a person that experiences the anticipation of good things coming in his life. I want to tell you a little bit about this promise of this young man, Isaac. 
understand that Isaac was not born until Sarah was 90 years old and Abraham was 100. Now that's a, that's a promise coming late in life. We would consider that a miracle coming at the warning track of life, amen? They're about to hit the wall, and there comes Isaac. But it was a promise that God had given years and years before, and there's a truth in that for us today. Often, God has given us a a promise, and we're waiting on it. Don't give up on the promise that God has for you. And the promise came, and it came in a special way, and, and there were really no second chances. They were certainly not any younger. We're just now getting to the point where, as this story is unfolding, that now it's probably 12 or 13 years later, and we would anticipate that Abraham is now 112, 113, and Sarah is around 100 or 101, 102 years old. They're getting up there, and everything that Abraham believed about who God was and what God had promised him was wrapped up in this little boy by the name of Isaac. And the first thing I want you to realize with me this Sunday morning is that conquering your fears requires believing that God knows best. This had to be a big fear for Abraham as God begins to speak to him in regard to losing Isaac because his whole existence was wrapped up in this young man. What does it tell us about him? Go back to the book of Genesis, 15th chapter, and let's begin reading at verse number three, and it says, and Abram said, you have given me no children, so a servant in my household will be my heir. Then the word of the Lord came to him. Friends, I wanna tell you, Often God has spoken and is speaking into our lives. Listen to the voice of God. What does God speak to him? This man will not be your heir, but a son who is your own flesh and blood will be your heir. Here's the promise. He took him outside and said, look up at the sky and count the stars. Anybody in this room tried to count the stars before? Oh, yeah, I've tried to do it. I've read this passage. I'm going to try to do that. One, two, three, four, five, 22. Was that 22? Wait, 23, right? You know, you can't count the stars. So what does God say to him? He says, look up at the sky and count the stars if indeed you can count them. Then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. Abraham, Abram believed the Lord and he credited to him, him as righteousness. So you see in this passage, seven chapters earlier, that Abram receives a promise from God that says to him, you are going to have a son. This is what I'm going to do. Everything about his life was wrapped up in this belief that God was going to give him this promised child. I believe that he probably shared the promise. He told other people about what God had said. He probably told Sarah for sure. We're going to have a child. God told me. When the child came, no doubt he told his friends and, and those around him, his, those that he worked with, those that were in the, in the region around him. This child is God's miracle gift to me and to Sarah. She's 90 years old. I'm 100. And this baby came. This is what God told me would happen decades ago. And look how faithful God is. Let me tell you, friends, for Abraham, there was no plan B. Why do we know that? Because he already tried and God told him that wouldn't work. Go to chapter 17 of Genesis. 
And it says here in chapter 17, verses 17, 18, and 19, Abraham fell face down. He laughed and said to himself, will a son be born to a man 100 years old? Now this is a time later, after chapter 15. It's probably at least 14, 15 years later. Will Sarah bear a child at age 90? And Abraham said to God, if only, here's plan B, Ishmael might live under your blessing. Then God said, Yes, but your wife Sarah will bear you a son, and you will call him Isaac. I will establish my covenant with him as an everlasting covenant for his descendants after him. That's an important passage, friends, because God says to Abraham, Abraham, there's no plan B here. I want you to understand, I know you have another son by another woman, but that's not gonna be the answer. I'm gonna fulfill what I've told you, and I'm going to do it through your son, Isaac. You see, the promise of God was now in conflict with the circumstances of today. Anybody find that that is a real struggle in life? God's given you a promise, but the circumstances of the day don't match up with the promise. And you're saying, God, I can't reconcile my circumstances with the promise of God. Many of you remember back in years gone by when we were more active in the realm of of space exploration. Now, they tell us, I've been reading, that we're getting closer to beginning space exploration in a bigger way again. And they even talk about possibly trying to do something on Mars. And I think that would be exciting, maybe in our lifetime. But nonetheless, there was a day when we were regularly flying to the moon. Many in this room don't remember that because you are too young to remember that. I'm thankful that I can kind of say, I don't remember that either. Ha, ha, ha. It was kind of too young, too far back for me either. But I've watched the things and read about them. And anybody seen the movie Apollo 13? Wow. I'm going to ask the question again. How many of you have seen the movie Apollo 13? Shoot up your hands, make me feel better. Okay, there we go. It's the story of of what, now, it's not just a story. It's a reenactment of what happened with one of the spacecrafts that was destined to go to the moon. And as it launched on April 11th, 1970 from the Kennedy Space Center, it was supposed to have a lunar landing, but it was aborted because an oxygen tank exploded two days after the launch. And it crippled the service module upon which the command module de- was uh, dependent. And they caused all sorts of problems in this circumstance. They lost uh, heat in the cabin. Storage of potable water was against them. They had a critical need to make makeshift repairs to the carbon dioxide removal system. And they almost were afraid they could not bring the crew back. But they did something that was extraordinary. They utilized the gravitational pull of the moon to bring the craft around and to slingshot it back to Earth. And if the math was wrong, if they did it incorrectly, if there was a problem, here we go, there was no plan B. There was one chance, and if the chance was lost, the astronauts were lost. And praise God, by his grace, the astronauts were recovered. But you know, I want you to realize today that God is not a God of plan B. God is faithful to his word. 
In the book of Hebrews, the 11th chapter, verses 17, 18, and 19, we get a glimpse behind the veil because it says, by faith, Abraham, when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice. He who had embraced the promises was about to sacrifice his one and only son. Even though God had said to him, it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. Abraham reasoned that God could even raise the dead, and so in a manner of speaking, he did receive Isaac back from the dead. And this is an amazing truth that helps us put fear down and to destroy and conquer it, because we can see that we need to believe that God can do anything. Let's go a little bit further. God does his job better than we can understand. All the way back to Genesis, to the Garden of Eden. What was the temptation that Eve and Adam saw? They wanted to eat the fruit of the knowledge of what? Good and evil. Isn't that right? Maria Furlow writes this. Every time I give in to a fearful thought, I am once again taking a bite from the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. I am deciding like Adam and Eve that God's reign over my future is not good enough for me. No, I need to tackle it myself. Trouble is, my brain was not created for such a thing. In our finite minds, we cannot comprehend the complexities of our futures. We want to say, God, I need to figure this out. God, I've got to understand how all of these pieces Joined together. Now, if you read in the book of Job, Job was a man who was tested mightily. He struggled with many problems and difficulties in his life. And, and for much of the book of Job, we read about him rebuking and pushing aside those who tried to get him to give in to things that he was not involved with, into temptation. And yet he comes to a point late in the book where he says, you know, when I talk to God, I'm going to tell God what you did wasn't fair. You know, it just isn't fair how I was treated. If you go to Job chapter 38 and chapter 39, God speaks to Job and says, how much do you really understand about everything, Job? And Job realizes that he's on the short end of the knowledge side of things. Go to Job chapter 42, verses 1 through 3. Then Job replied to the Lord, I know that you can do all things. Look at somebody say all things. Did you know that God can do all things in your circumstance? He can do all things. So Job makes the statement, reply to the Lord, I know that you can do all things. No purpose of yours can be thwarted. You asked, who is this that obscures my plans without knowledge? Surely I spoke of things I did not understand, things too wonderful for me to know. Wow, that speaks to me. There's so many times in my life, friends, when I get frustrated, frustrated with God, frustrated with the circumstances of life that don't seem fair to me. And this is a great verse to remember because it says, surely I spoke of things I did not understand. Things too wonderful for me to know. I have been a recipient over time by serving God to see that God has worked miracles that I never thought he could work in my life. 
in this room today, how many people could raise their hand and say, Pastor, God's done some miracles for me that I never thought he could do for me. He got me out of some binds, out of some problems, worked some circumstances for the good of, in my life. I never knew that it could happen. So how did Abraham remind himself that God was bigger and could do this impossible task and that God had, had created the opportunity of victory even though fear was at the door? Let's look at three things quickly. First of all, Abraham identified his fear and he verbalized confidence in God. And I want to say to you this Sunday morning, it does us good to verbalize that God can do it. When was the last time that you said, you know, even though I don't see how my financial problem is going to work out, I know God is faithful to me. That he will work it out for good. Look at what happens in Genesis 22 verses 7 and 8. Follow along carefully. Isaac spoke up and said to his father, Abraham, Father, yes, my son, Abraham replied, the fire and the wood are here, Isaac said, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham answered, listen to his answer, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son, and the two of them went on together. What did he do? He spoke words of confidence that God would get them out of this jam. He said, I believe, Isaac, that God's going to provide the sacrifice. Now, I have to believe that the reason that Isaac was asking the question is because he's looking around and said, we've got the wood. Right? you got the fire. Where's the sacrifice, Dad? It's not me, is it? Right? How's this going to work out? What did his father do? He verbalized, he said, God has this situation under control. Friends, I want to tell you this Sunday morning, not only is it good for you and me to verbalize those things, but it's good for those around us to understand that God has things under control and that we believe that he's big enough. Secondly, reaffirm the truths that you know to be real. God's word is full of truths that we know are real, amen? We need to reaffirm those truths. Know the things that God has spoken to you. We get a glimpse of this with Abraham as God stops the sacrifice and provides for him the ram that's in the thicket. We know that he takes the knife back. He already has Isaac bound up and he's about to slay him and that the angel of God speaks to him and says, don't hurt the child. Now let's pick it up. Verse number 13 says, Abraham looked up and there in a thicket, he saw a ram caught by its horns. He went over and looked the ram, took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called the place. Here it comes. The Lord will provide. I want you to look at somebody and say, the Lord will provide. I'll do it again. The Lord will provide. He says, the Lord will provide. And to this day... It is said, on the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. So what does he do as the second step in the midst of this affirming process? He says those things that he knows are real. The Lord will provide. I knew God would come through. I knew the Lord would provide. Remember how I told you, Isaac, as we were coming, that God would provide the lamb? The Lord will provide. Last minute, but he did. Number three, I want you to remember your blessings today. Did you know that you don't become fearful 
when you think about your blessings. You're not afraid of good things. I am so afraid I'm going to get a raise. I am terrified that my tax return could be larger than last year. I am so scared that my kids are going to do well in school this year. Those aren't the things you're afraid of. You and I are afraid of the things that bring bad news, that bring pain and hurt. So remember your blessings. Abraham could have even been in this place fearful, but he knew the blessings of God. He knew that God had a track record of good. I want us to just stop today and understand that God has a track record of good. Often, though, we can remember at least one thing we think God could have done better, right? I wish that wouldn't have been as painful. wish that wouldn't have taken as long. I wish that wouldn't have been as scary. But if we are honest with ourselves, we can see that God has a track record of taking what Satan intends for evil. And I don't want you to miss this. Satan intends evil for your life. He intends to bring pain. He intends to destroy you. He intends to make you doubt. He intends for fear to overwhelm you. But God always makes a way of escape that you can bear up under it. And God always has a way of changing the situation around. Turning it around for good. God's provision. Kind of reminds me of something. I read this story about a man who was walking his dog, and he looked very disgusted. And his neighbor was coming down the sidewalk, and he said, hey, hey, would you like to buy my dog? He said, I don't need a dog. He said, I'll sell him to you for $5. I said, I, I don't need a dog. Why would I want to buy your dog? He says, it's because he's a talking dog. The guy said, come, give me a break. It's not a talking dog. You're just trying to, you're just trying to fake me out. I don't want, I'm not going to do that. And all of a sudden, to the man's surprise, suddenly... What do you think happened except the dog said to him, hey, sir, please buy me. This man is cruel. He never feeds me. He never bathes me. He hardly ever will take me for a walk. I used to be one of the richest trick dogs in America. I performed before kings. I used to be in the army. I was awarded and decorated 10 different times. And the guy looked at him, eyes big. He says, he does talk. He said, I told you he'd talk. He said, well, why would you want to sell him? And for only $5. And the guy said, because I'm sick and tired of his lies. Now, sometimes, friends, I want to remind you of something. You need to get sick and tired of the devil's lies. Can I say today, fear is a liar. Fear is a liar. Fear lies to you that you can't make it, that it's too hard that you'll never make it to the other side. Fear says to you that your situation will never change. Now, we know, anybody ever been told that in your spirit? Your situation is never gonna change. Let's just use what we already know. Is there anybody in this room who can say honestly that your situation has never changed? No, situations change, don't they? Right? If you're 70 years old and you're still in high school, let me say, your situation never changed, but for most people, situations change, don't they? They change. They move. 
They migrate. Certain circumstances happen. And that leads us to the last thing that I want you to look at with me this morning, which is this truth. Fear must be made captive. It has to be brought into captivity. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 through 6 declares, For though we walk in the flesh, anybody walking in the flesh today? If you don't raise your hand, that means you're dead. Anybody walking in the flesh today? Praise the Lord. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons, praise God, of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity. Where does your fear start? In your mind. Bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ and being ready to punish all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. Fear begins and ends in your thoughts. How do you bring it into captivity? You have to think differently. You have to believe that God is who he says he is and that he can do what he said he can do. And not only that he can, but that he will do it. He will perform it. Job, we referenced him earlier. When his problems began, in Job 121, he makes a great declaration. He says, naked I came from my mother's womb and naked I will depart. The Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. May the name of the Lord be praised. There's not one of us who came into this world with anything. And I've done a lot of funerals, but I've never yet seen a U-Haul following a hearse. Right? Why? Because people don't take it with them. They don't take it with them. Instead, it's left behind and other people fight over it, don't they? Right? They battle over it. Try to figure out who can get more of it. God is the one who's your supply. Everything you have is because of God's favor. Say it again. Everything you have is because of God's favor in your life. Many of us look around today and we say, well, I don't feel very favored. Praise God that you were born in the United States of America. That's a favor. Praise God that you're able to open up your eyes this Sunday morning. Praise God that probably in almost every case in this room, you have a home to go home to today. Likely that you have a vehicle to drive you there. All for most folks, there's going to be some lunch in your tummies here in a few moments. What are those things? That's favor. It's the goodness of God. Often we overlook those little things, forgetting that those are actually blessings that come from God. Psalm 37, verse 25 declares, I was young and now I'm old, yet I've never seen the righteous forsaken or their children begging bread. That, that is good for you to remember. God will supply all of your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Now that's not to say the fear is never realized. Can I say today cancer does come? Divorce is a real part of life. Marital infidelity breaks hearts and leaves ruin. Jobs are lost. But in the midst of that, God is still in control. God is still in control. It's in Psalm 23 where the psalmist writes, Neither do I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I will fear no evil. Even when it gets dark 
and things get bad, I will feel fear no evil for thou art with me. The writer of Hebrews gives us a peek behind the veil as the musicians prepare to come in Hebrews eleven nineteen, where it says, Abraham reasoned that God could even raise the dead and so in a manner of speaking, he did receive Isaac back from the dead. How did he receive him back from the dead? Because Abraham had to say, God, even though I don't understand this, even though I'm tying up my only son, the son of promise, the golden boy, the one that you said that, that my seed would be reckoned through, that I would be blessed through, even though I'm laying him on the altar, even though I'm taking the sheath from the, the, the knife from the sheath that I'm preparing to strike him and kill him. God, even though I do all these things, I believe that you can still turn this around. And even if he dies, God, you could raise him from the dead. And what happened? When God knew, he said, Abraham, that's not necessary. He made a way of escape. For you this Sunday morning, the promise of Scripture, not my promise, but God's promise, is in the darkest hour, God will make that way of escape. You can slay your fear, even your biggest fear, even your darkest fear. It starts in believing that God knows best. God knows better. He even knows that problems are good for us. Did you note that it said that God tested Abraham? Now, he didn't tempt him, but he tested him. God will test you. God will test me. Because God wants us to grow up, to be stronger, to become more mature, to see things with his perspective. God does his job well. He fixes things. So that when we've graduated from that, we can look back and we have a new joy, a new provision, a new supply. Fear has to be made captive, and it can be. And I want to end with this verse. Jesus speaking, John chapter 14, verse 27, says, peace I leave with you. My peace, Jesus said, I give to you, I give you. I do not give you as the world gives, do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. What is Jesus saying today? He's saying, you don't have to be afraid. You might say, but I feel afraid. Then conquer your fear. Remind yourself of the promises of God. Remind yourself of the faithfulness of God. Verbalize the truths that God has given you, you know to be true. And you will never be disappointed because you will slay your greatest fears.